one constant through all the years, Ray, has been beyond the game. The most well-known, the best-looking, the best-dressed. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. I also really don't care. No, I'm saying I could have done with sweet does because I do that every time I golf. Are you really that ignorant? Yeah. You guys are so young and stupid. Get ready. Here we go. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can call Town & Country at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm Rick Benson, here with those guys, the program's producer, Zach Barletta, and of course, Darren Metzger. The website is btgprogram.com. The social media handle is at btgprogram. The studio line is 585-431-1202, 585-431-1202. Of course, we welcome your comments anytime on anything you hear on our show. Let's do a radio show, guys. What to do about Chris Bosh, one of the NBA's all-time top player. I mean, he's a great player. He's a good player. You, you can't know? deny that. Maybe all-time top 75. Would you go there? Would you say top 50? Uh, not top 50. I'll give you 75. From all reports, a gentleman, a great teammate. There's no off-court scandals, no real headaches for his team. All in all, he's been a pretty classy guy. Played for the Raptors. Looks like a Raptor. Pretty classy guy to have on your roster. Someone you'd be proud to have as one of your guys, which is why it would seem that the Miami Heat are done with Chris Bosh. Heat team president Pat Riley told reporters on Monday that Bosh's career with the team is, quote, probably over. Bosh and the Heat are clashing over whether he should be medically cleared to play after the serious health problems he suffered in recent years. Bosh believes he's good to go. The Heat, however, they care to disagree. Bosh, as you might imagine, he wants to continue his playing career. He's an athlete. It's what he does. He says he feels great. And he probably does feel great. The Heat are less worried about how he feels now and more about the potential for something really devastating to happen down the line. To use a football phrase, they've they've taken his helmet away. It's what they've done. Botch is owed somewhere around $76 million over the next three seasons. That's whether he plays or not. So it really doesn't seem like this is a, completely about money. I don't want to be so naive as to think it has nothing to do with it, but that seems to be the easy part, the money. The hard part is that an athlete feels good. He wants to keep doing what it is he does, but the the team is concerned about someone they care about. Bosch, obviously frustrated. He's taken some shots at the heat. He said, quote, if you're an athlete in this game and you have to protect your own interests and you have to protect your body and your family, if one doctor is a doctor for 15 guys, Who's paying the guy? He then added, if you're paying a doctor through your pocket, your insurance, whatever that case may be, that changes their interest. Bosch's last two seasons have both been cut short by blood clots. He says he has worked with a private physician to come up with a plan that makes it safe for him to keep playing. Now, of course, 
how many physicians do you go through before you finally get to one that mm-hmm. says it's okay to keep playing? And I'm not suggesting that's happened, but I don't know. He said himself, though, that there have been times he ignored pain and played when he probably shouldn't have. That's a concern for the Miami Heat. Athletes are conditioned that way. Would he take himself out of a game in a key moment if he felt something is wrong? Now, of course, only Bosch can answer that question, but how can the Heat be sure that he would do that? People who have suffered blood clots will typically take a blood-thinning medication. The problem is, it's common that athletes on blood thinners are told to avoid contact sports because of the increased chance of internal bleeding, the increased chance of other medical issues. Basketball is a rough sport. Elbows, bumping, Especially crashing the to the man. floor. Other professional athletes have done it, though, including a few NHL guys. So, you know, it doesn't get much rougher than that. You can think of Thomas Fleischmann, Kimo Timonen. Uh, you probably recall that just this past April, Steven Stamkos of the Tampa Bay Lightning had surgery for a clot in his collarbone. He missed a lot of time for that. But he was back for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He got signed a new contract in the offseason. If Bosch is dead set on playing again, it makes it very hard on the Heat to be his good friend. How many times have you sat by and watched a friend do something self-destructive? The truest of friends go to the furthest extreme to protect those they care for. Is that possibly what the Miami Heat is doing? In my opinion, the team has a moral responsibility to look out for their players. An athlete like Chris Bosch, by this time in his career, he's invested so much. He's been investing in it since he was a child. Sometimes they've invested so much that it's it's difficult for them to think clearly and make a wise decision. Their judgment is clouded. Chris Bosch is an employee of the Miami Heat, so ultimately it's going to be up to them. And at some point it comes down to how far they will go to protect him. Negotiate a release so he can play elsewhere? Will anyone else have him? Figure out how he can return to the court for the Heat with maybe some sort of check system in place? Or do they stand their ground and protect the man they care so much about in spite of himself? It's a really tough place for for Pat Riley in the Miami Heat. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In life, it's not always how many friends you have. Sometimes it's the depth of those relationships. You may have only one or two in the course of a lifetime who really care so much that they're even willing to risk the existence of that very friendship to protect you. And I wonder if the relative silence out of Miami on this matter is a result of the the heat really trying to be that friend to Chris Bosch. A weird sort of conundrum the other night in the Bronx. The Red Sox went into the ninth inning with a 3-0 lead after holding the Yankees to just one hit through the first eight innings. There they were about to celebrate winning the East Division title with a victory at Yankee Stadium, possibly even you know, winning it with a dominant one-hit shutout victory ready to storm the field, ready to celebrate in front of the rival Yankee fans. But you need to slow your roll. (laughs) The only problem with that, their closer, Craig Kimbrell, imploded. Mark Teixeira hit a grand slam into the right field bullpen, giving the Yankees a walk-off 5-3 win and pushed the Red Sox celebration back inside the visitors' dugout. David Ortiz said, I wanted to celebrate on that field so bad, but it is what it is. We ended up being the first place team in the American League East, and we're going to celebrate anyway. And and they should. 
This was their second opportunity, though, for the Red Sox. They had a chance Tuesday at the stadium, but weren't able to close the deal then either, losing to the Yankees. Red Sox knew they had already won the division. They knew that by virtue of the Blue Jays' 3-2 loss to the Orioles earlier in the evening. And I know Red Sox right now, fans are screaming at their radios, telling me how they're in the playoffs and the Yankees aren't. Okay, but you weren't able to celebrate at the stadium like you wanted to. You wanted to be dancing around on the field, sticking it to the Yankees, sticking it to their fans, and you didn't get the opportunity. For a fan base that is equally satisfied but with beating the Yankees as they are with winning a World Series, it's sort of just poetic to me. If they had been able to win that game and clinch it there and celebrate on the field, and if they go on to win a World Series, what they will remember is dancing on Yankee Stadium. That's what they're going to look back and remember. And, of course, they should celebrate. They weren't celebrating a single victory. They were celebrating an accomplishment they started working towards back when, back when snow was still on the ground. But they had to do a they had to do it after a gut kick loss. <laughs> I mean, they had it in their it's a rough grasp. Way to lose. Now what they can remember is that they clinched it while they were losing back to back walk off games. You look, the Yankees didn't win the division. They aren't going to the playoffs, but they didn't subject their fans to watching the Red Sox party on the field at the stadium. Instead, it was the Yankees celebrating a walk off win. How how weird was that to see that go down? You were expecting the Red Sox to celebrate, and here the Yankees were the ones celebrating. Now they're they're celebrating one win. The Red Sox were inside celebrating a title, and rightly so. One more thing before we hear from those guys. Let me read you Genesis chapter 9, verses 16 and 17. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. After God delivered Noah and his family through the flood, he made a covenant with Noah, and he gave him a sign for him to see. Now, I cannot be sure. I I can't be sure. And I don't want to go out on a ledge and declare that God has given modern man another covenant here. But it seems God may have told Met fans that he's blessed them (laughs) and that they will win the World Series. Tim Tebow not only hit a home run in his first at-bat as a professional baseball player, but he hit it on the very first pitch that he saw. Good idea, O Lord. God is a good idea. A blessing, a blessing from the Lord. God be praised. The pitcher who gave up the home run, possibly having been used by God himself, John Kilikowski, said in a now-deleted tweet, I thought we agreed you were going to take the first pitch. (laughs) He was scheduled to go on the Dan Patrick show on Thursday, but reconsidered and canceled at at the 11th hour. Sort of a mysterious activity here, isn't it? Is it possible there's some sort of conspiracy? Could the home run actually be a fraud and not an actual sign from God? Might Kilikowski have been paid off? (laughs) 30 pieces of silver, maybe? For now, I'm taking it as face value, and I'm picking the Mets to win the World Series. That's it for me, guys. What do you have to add? <laughs> you know, I want to to hate Tebow. I really do. But you can't hate this guy. He's the like. I have a daughter. I want someone like Tim Tebow walking through the door to take her out on a date. Like he's a good dude. I'm just so sick of hearing about him. And of course, of course, he hits a first pitch home run. He's a lefty. Hits it off a lefty, and also hits it to the opposite field. That's a good piece of hitting. 
Now he's also how much older is he than the, these kids he's playing against? Like eight, nine, ten years older than oh, him. Yeah. But still, I, it was an impressive piece of hitting. I watched it a few times. He smoked that. He ball. got it. I, I I agreed with what you said about Bosch. I, I think as much as you'd like to see a guy in his position be able to make it back onto the court, it's about liability. And if something tragic happens to him on the court, the Heat are liable. They would be the ones that cleared him and said he was okay to play. And if a blood clot hits his heart or something, God forbid, on the court, they're the ones responsible. And they are doing the safe and the smart thing and not letting him be put in that position. He's earned the right to fight for his career. But then I'm torn because the Heat, I think, really are doing the right thing. You guys enjoy the Yankees pushing the Red Sox celebration inside? Anything you want to add there? No, I absolutely, as you probably expected, have completely enjoyed it. And also, if you're a Red Sox fan, you got to be worried right now, right? I mean, the playoffs are, what, a week away, and the Red Sox seem to be kind of stumbling down the stretch. Yeah, but they're, they're loaded. Yeah. They're yeah. a good baseball team. I'm not going to worry about it. We talked if I'm about them, it. I'm not worried about a couple losses to the Yankees. I'm not. No, we talked about it at the beginning of the season. What if the Red Sox and the Cubs, and mm-hmm. we it may might very happen. well get that. It might happen. And honestly, it didn't, it, it didn't bother me that these guys were celebrating after a loss. Like baseball season's a grind, man. I don't care. All right, that's what I said. They're celebrating. I don't care if you get crushed. You're still celebrating, celebrating winning the, the season. East. They're not yes. celebrating winning a game. The Yankees were on the field celebrating winning one game, <laughs> that particular game. The Red Sox were in the clubhouse celebrating a playoff berth and winning a division title. I had no problem with it. Didn't even really seem weird to me. Oh, I don't have a problem with it. I just sort of enjoyed it. And it, but it is weird though. If you're that player, you just lost a gut wrenching type mm-hmm. of loss. You had the game in your hand and then you lost it. And now you got to go in the clubhouse and celebrate. We've got a lot more coming up for you today on the program. We'll walk through some of the unfortunate events of last weekend. We also have a conversation about uh, which NFL is going to be the, which NFL coach, I should say, is going to be the first to go. And, of course, we'll do shenanigans, you like that, and a special Geno Smith edition of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I'm Benson. They're those guys. This is the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart and I get all sorts of pest problems. And you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call Town & Country. They really are the best. They guarantee their work and did I mention they're the best. Save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first. Don't waste your time on other companies. Town and Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that three is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Is here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian Sports TV channel with programming from Pee-wee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network. 
more than a game. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. Rick Benson and those guys here with you at BTG Program, btgprogram.com. We're getting about to that point of the NFL season where you start thinking about, all right, which coach is going to be the first to go here? First of all, I'll just go right to it. I think the first guy going to be gone is Gus Bradley. Absolutely. He's the first guy on my list, too. And I think Mike McCoy is really in the same boat as both his Chargers and Bradley's Jaguars both have a fair amount of talent on their roster. If they can't have them playing competitively or truthfully winning football, they're going to be out. The only question is how early. Mm-hmm. You know, the difference is Bradley and the Jags are 0-3, while McCoy and the Chargers at least have one win, and they've played fairly tough. They were in both those losses to the Chiefs and the Colts. I think the thing that McCoy might have going for him, too, is the same thing Rex Ryan has going here in Buffalo, is that he's been victimized by a lot of injuries. So he may be able to say, look, if all my guys were healthy, we would have been fine. you know." But Gus Bradley, we all talked about it on the show when we did our season preview that the Jaguars had really high expectations this year, and they have fallen completely flat on their face. Yeah, if Bradley and the Jaguars lose to the Colts in London, I, I got to think he's out. They have a bye week which follows the trip overseas. It's an opportune time to make make that kind of change. And by the way, he wouldn't be the first one let go during a London trip. That's what the Dolphins did last year, right? Yeah. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Dennis Anderson was also let go after a trip to London. Speaking of that. You have that bye week, and it just kind of lends itself. Speaking of that game, though, if the Colts lose, I could see them letting Pagano go. Absolutely. How serious can the Colts really be taken if you can't even get guys to protect your quarterback? If they can't solve that issue... He's going to take the fall yeah, for it. He hitched his wagon to Andrew Luck. and We can agree that Andrew Luck has not looked the same as he first did. I don't think he has been nearly he has no as... time. I actually think you can pin the struggles of Andrew Luck maybe on coaching as a reason to make a change. Like, you have this franchise quarterback, and he's playing below his potential. It's time to get a coach who can get it out of him. That's, you know? that's true. That's true. But, I mean, Marvin Lewis, same thing. What are they, 1-2 and two right now? He's Owen forever in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, I could see him being on the hot seat. Like, forget it. We don't we don't win now. Let's just let him go before he has a chance to lose in the playoffs again if he yeah. even makes it. And the argument you could make there is last year might have been their best chance that they've had. Still couldn't And they lost it. it because his players were undisciplined, Very which undisciplined. falls on his shoulders. I was surprised yeah. he came back this year, to Same be honest here. with you. What I don't understand is why Chip Kelly is not higher than he is. I get that it's his first year with a new team, but I mean, he was terrible in Philadelphia. Now look what they're doing without him. And once again, they're one and two. Blaine Gabbert is awful. He's like dead last in every stat you don't want to be dead last <laughs> in. And Chip Kelly keeps running him out there, and that's my guy. Kaepernick's the backup right now. Like, what are you? What are you doing? How is he not on the hot seat? Well, Chip Kelly just loves players that don't have any talent. That's uh, that's apparently I don't think his Chip thing. Kelly has any talent in the NFL <laughs> coaching. Go back to college; you were good there. He he was good there, and with the LSU job open, you know, you got to oh, wonder: yeah. is that a guy that might realize? I, I mean, I don't know. Does your pride allow you to admit I wasn't able to get it done? In the Worked NFL? out for Saban. The LSU job to me would be an attractive job. If I were him, I would be thinking seriously about jumping back into the college ranks. What do you guys think about Jay Gruden? You think he's on the hot seat I with do. the Redskins? I do, and I think that win over the Giants was a lifesaver for him. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But they think they finally got a franchise quarterback, right? And Kirk Cousins. I mean, maybe we don't think so, but they think so. So 
And they've got an owner that is aggressive. He, you know, mm-hmm. did, he's a little bit of a wing nut. Did the Bills win this past weekend, take Rex Ryan off the hot seat? I had so much hope for this Bills season. But after the start they've had, looking at their schedule, their schedule is kind of brutal. Yeah, we said at the yeah. beginning that I, they could just as easily be 1-8 and eight as they can be 7-2, and two, yeah, you know? It's, it's a scary schedule. I mean... You and really it, needed to win those two early games, the yes. two easy ones. Yeah, you're going to New England. Oh, by the way, you got to go to Seattle before your bye week, too. Like, th- it's not an easy schedule. I don't. I honestly don't see Rex Ryan lasting the season. You know, I, I was one of the ones on after three weeks of his career wanting him gone. You know? <laughs> I, I, I think the seat happen. is definitely hot underneath Rex Ryan, but I, I think that win, that was a pretty impressive win. It was a very impressive yeah. win. But yeah, I still got nervous. Win. Still got nervous watching it though. When I think the Cardinals got to within ten, I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, the Bills are gonna Bills." Like I was waiting for it. That's because you are the worst fan in the world. I you are witnessed always this waiting. my entire life. I understand that. It's a te- it's terrible being a Bills fan. It's broken me you as have, a fan. You have no confidence in your team, and may and maybe rightfully so. I've I've done but nothing. You're, you're writing. That's almost like a defense mechanism for you. You write them off before the season season even gets going. Don't get your hopes up. You can't get them crushed. Yeah, Honestly, being a Bills fan is the most abusive thing I've ever done in my life. The one guy that we haven't mentioned that I think is possibly on the block, Sean Payton. The Saints are zero and three. You know, it could be the end of line for him and Breeze, to be honest. Yeah, well, they're talking about an extension for Breeze, but they've got. I more. think as long as Breeze is there, his job is safe. I wonder if Breeze has sort of reached the Peyton Manning level, though, where he can call the offense on his own. You know, because he's been in that same offense for so long. They're a team with high expectations that's zero and three, so I feel like he might be on the chopping block. But Jeff Fisher, yeah, I could see that, but I'm... he should be. But by now. He should have been fired like three times by what, now. What do they call him, Mr. Seven and Nine? <laughs> yeah. the, the, the Rams seem to love him for whatever reason. We're going to take another break. We're going to be right back right after this report from Roberts Wesleyan College. Here is the Red Hawks report for this week, October 1st, 2016. The Red Hawks report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Let's start in men's tennis. The Roberts Wesleyan men's tennis team defeated the University of Rochester this past Wednesday 6-3, to extending their win streak to eight straight and remaining unbeaten on the season. They had also shut out Millersville last Friday and RIT on Sunday by identical 9-0 scores. The women coincidentally also swept last weekend with identical scores, beating Millersville on Friday and RIT Sunday with 8-1 to margins. It was also victorious sweeps last weekend for the Red Hawks women's volleyball team as they downed Queens College and then Malloy College, you guessed it, by identical 3-1 tallies. Kate Steger and Alexandra Tahari each recorded 20 kills between the two games, and junior setter Elizabeth Rivera totaled 87 assists, including 53 against Malloy. Sam Moody's header for a goal was enough to secure at least a tie at home with Bentley University in men's soccer last Saturday. And prior to that match, the women won at home, cruising to a 7-0 win over Salem International behind three goals from senior midfielder Bella Matrevsky. The Red Hawks totaled an incredible 64 shots in the game with 35 being on goal. In other Red Hawks action, the men's cross-country team finished third out of 22 teams, and the women took second out of 21 teams. The men's golf team finished fourth out of the 12 teams competing at the Mercyhurst Invitational. A few individual awards this week. 
Melissa Brault has been named the ECC's Women's Tennis Player of the Week, and teammate Salome Darcelia is tapped as its Rookie of the Week. Freshman Israela Groves has been named the ECC's Women's Soccer Rookie of the Week, and senior Elizabeth Valento has been named the conference's Women's Runner of the Week. Congratulations to each of these young ladies, and I hope you'll forgive me if I've pronounced your name incorrectly. Not much happening at home this coming week for the Red Hawks, as most of the teams are away. Later today, though, you could catch the women's volleyball team in action against LIU Post. That matches at noontime if you want to go out and cheer the ladies on. And coming up next Thursday, October 6th at 4 p.m., the women's tennis team will try to make it four straight as they host St. Thomas Aquinas College at the Tennis Complex at Roberts Wesleyan College. You can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Redhawks Report, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Beyond the game, talking sports from a different point of view. Barry Bonds never took steroids. It's a faith-based sports radio program. Don't ruin it by being an idiot. Highlighting the stories and the people of faith. Have a high moral standard. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. How silly can you get? You want to heckle blind people? That would make me soil my pants. Dude. Welcome back to the show, recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Here is your host, Rick Benson. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. I want to thank you again for listening, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram if you want to follow us more closely. There are those stories in sports that grip you in just an unexplainable way. This past week, I was sitting in church when my phone buzzed with the tragic news of the passing of Jose Fernandez. It doesn't happen often, but every now and again, as I'm following along with the preacher, if if a message flashes across my screen, I can easily swipe it away and look at it later. But I couldn't do it with the news of Jose Fernandez. It was so shocking. I had to read the message because it was it was so hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Here was the news that this young man, 24 years old, the, the ace of the Marlins pitching staff, was now so unexpectedly gone. The thing about Fernandez, as so many have elaborated on in the days since, was he was more than just a baseball player. He was more than a great pitcher. Even as young as he was, Jose Fernandez transcended baseball. He was much more, as I said, than, much more than a great pitcher, especially in Miami. You can name few, if any athletes more perfectly suited to play in a particular city than was Fernandez. I always secretly wanted him to be a Yankees. I, I wanted I, I wanted them to trade for him. I wanted him to come to New York as a free agent, sign with the Yankees. But, but really, he belonged in Miami. Mm-hmm. To Miami and its large Cuban population, he was already a legend. How's that possible? It was only his fourth season. He he only has 38 career wins. How is it possible that he was such a legend? It's possible because he belonged to them. There was it was something personal about it. He represented their struggles. He embodied the hope of the American dream and its limitless potential. 
He symbolized the greatness of freedom and what it meant to cherish its value. They, they identified with his story and the now famous account of his numerous flights of freedom. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't admire and respect his perseverance and continuing to fight for that freedom after failing three times to flee communism? And on the fourth, to have saved his mother from drowning? You, you can't make that up. That's a Hollywood script. Mm-hmm. You guys know, in Miami, they love baseball, especially the Hispanic population there. It's an absolute passion, and they want they want to love the Marlins. It's hard, but they <laughs> yeah. want to. They, they, they try to love the Marlins, and Jose Fernandez gave them a reason to, even if only on the days he pitched. The Marlins won a World Series back in 97. They had a young Cuban on the team then who, who they embraced, Levon Hernandez. Yet somehow, Jose Fernandez was different. He was even more special to them. A year after winning the title, the team inexplicably disbanded in a fire sale, lost 108 games the next season. Talk about discouraging to the fan base. A few years later, though, we don't like to talk about it here. <laughs> they beat the New York Yankees 2003, mm-hmm. won the World Series. and Had a fire sale the next year. Don't you know? They do the same <laughs> thing. The baseball fans of Miami, per- Perhaps they identify so well with Fernandez because his flight to freedom somehow symbolizes their desire to embrace a baseball team, to be able to trust that their hearts won't be torn out yet again. Like I said, they want to love the Marlins, but but can they? They keep trying. Then there, then there was that Monday night game against the Mets. Wow. I mean, really, what more can be said than Wow. Of course, Sunday's game against the Braves was rightly canceled, as they found out early that morning about Fernandez. But as it were, Fernandez had been pushed back a day and was actually scheduled to start that game against the Mets. How moving was that? Zach, you texted me that you'd been crying and didn't even know why it was affecting you so much. Mm -hmm. And I just talked to a Mets fan a little while ago. He told me the same thing. He was crying and didn't know why it was hitting him so hard. Isn't that what makes sports so great? Sports sometimes helps us work through things, helps us find meaning in them. Uh, they, they can be the sports can be the ultimate distraction, I guess, to see how people respond in difficult situations, to see the emotion of the Marlins players. You can feel, you know, the love they had for their teammate. To see the Mets players go out and hug the Marlins players, have you ever seen something like that? No. I mean, what respect they had. Heck, had, had the Marlins not played another game all week, would you have faulted them? No, not at all. But here they were about to play a game, a game with their hearts on full display. And who can explain D. Gordon hitting such an unlikely home run in that scenario? I mean, how, really, how, how great are his, sports? How about his impersonation of uh, Fernandez? Yeah, that whole uh, at bat. Yeah. For me, seeing his emotion on. brought back memories of Bobby Mercer in the game following the funeral of you know, his good friend, Thurman Munson. On the same day that Fernandez died, so did Arnold Palmer. What a contrast. One old, one young, one with a long career, the other a very short one. One's reputation built on established success, the other's really more on hope and promise. Both passings affecting us in different ways. Because one was 87-year-old man, his passing didn't shock us. Heck, maybe you were more surprised that he was still around. He'd been involved in the sport for almost all his life, decades in the game. Golf and Arnold Palmer just seemed to have this partnership literally as long as people could remember. His death didn't surprise us. Sure, there was sorrow, but it was different. 
It was sad that we'd lost a legend, but with Palmer, we were able to look back fondly on a life well-lived. More of a celebration of his life. Yeah, we were able to enjoy the many great stories, the kind words, the wonderful memories. But for Fernandez, his life was tragically cut short. It was it was lost just as he was coming into what many may consider the prime of his life. So sad to know that his girlfriend was carrying his first yeah. child. That's what He's never going to know. That hurt. The sorrow around his passing was more painful because of the lost promise. The loss of Jose Fernandez mm-hmm. shocked us. That's why people are still talking about it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes life doesn't seem fair. In fact, at times it can be flat out cruel. How do we make sense of such an untimely death? You really don't have to be a baseball fan. You don't have to be a Marlins fan to come face to face with the fear that so many of us struggle with. The fear of every parent that they have for their child. What if, what if that was my son? What if that was my daughter? The fear of every husband or wife. What if that were my loved one? The unfortunate reality is that to death, there's no such thing as timely or untimely. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because of sin, our sin, death comes for all of us. It may seem gratuitous here that I would use someone's tragic death to talk about life after death, but the reality is is that sometimes a passing such as Arnold Palmer may not move us very much, but one like Jose Fernandez's may make us sit up and take notice that death, the death doesn't discriminate. You just never know when it will come for you. You may be waiting until tomorrow to make sure you're right with God, only tomorrow may not come. So what if it came for you today? I'm not trying to frighten anyone, but I, I do want people to think about what happens next. Sometimes it takes something like what happened this week to move us to consider our own mortality. Mm-hmm. We're all sinners. Yeah. The Bible tells us that. Romans 3.23, for all sin to fall short of the glory of God. Because of that, death waits all of us. And when it does eventually come, you need to do something about the price of sin. The amazing thing, Jesus Christ has already paid that debt. He lived a sin-free life and did not owe a death, yet he freely chose to give up his life as a sacrifice to pay the weight of your sins and mine. He was the only one who could pay for them because he was the only one who could rightfully stand before a holy God without blame. If you have come to the place in your life where you have gotten right with God, when he looks at your sin, he sees the blood of his son which covers it. His sacrifice on the cross is sufficient to redeem the sins of every man, woman, and child who has ever or ever will live. But we must accept the free gift of eternal life. That means simply admitting to God that you are a sinner and that you know the cross is not only true, but it's sufficient. You need to admit to God that you believe Jesus rose from the grave and defeated death. He holds the key, if you will, to life and death. And you need to ask God to forgive you of those sins and accept him as your personal savior from an eternity in hell. Your sorrow over your sin will cause you to repent of that. You won't be perfect, but you'll be changed so that your sin, that you're burdened by them, you're bothered by them. Only God can move one's heart in this direction. Could he be speaking directly to you today? Could he be moving your heart? Are you at a place where you know what I'm telling you is true? Then that's God calling to you. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You need to admit to God that you're a sinner. You need to repent of those sins. 
and you need to ask him to forgive you and save you. He has a free gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's only by God's grace. He freely offers it through the shed blood of his son at the cross. If you want to find out more about that, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. Send us an email here to the program. I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart, and I get all sorts of pest problems, and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call Town & Country. They really are the best. They guarantee their work, and did I mention they're the best? Save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first. Don't waste your time on other companies. Town and Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that three is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. You have a lot of useless information in your head. It's as useless as the Winter Olympics. You are useless, Ignacio. It's Got a couple pieces of useless information for you guys this week. First of all, tomorrow, Sunday, October 2nd, is the last day you'll be able to see Major League Baseball caps worn without company logos on them. Major League Baseball has confirmed to sportslogos.net that beginning in this year's playoffs and carrying on into, I guess, into eternity, all team caps will have the New Era flag logo on the side. Hmm. Also, another interesting piece of MLB uniform trivia this week Most baseball fans know that Major League jerseys are produced by the Majestic Company, but only one team in the league is allowed to wear jerseys without the Majestic logo on the sleeve. Can you guess which team it is? Yankees. Yeah, okay. It was the Yankees. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it! So I don't know why, but they are the only team allowed to wear jerseys without the Majestic patch. It's time to play shenanigans. So, Zach, what do you have for us? The Chicago Cubs clinched their division and home field advantage in the playoffs roughly two weeks before the end of the season. 
Truth or shenanigans, clinching early and resting key players over the last two weeks can cause a team to lose their momentum and then slump into playoffs. I agree. Look, you have Big Mo on your side. You want to keep things rolling. You know, we've definitely seen teams hurt by time off. I suppose if you're banged up, the time off can help. But uh, all that aside, I think Joe Madden will have the Cubs ready to play. They're in a position to do something very special, and they're going to be ready. I agree, but I could have also very easily said shenanigans because, mm-hmm. like Benson mentioned, you've seen it happen both ways. You've seen time off hurt teams. You've seen time off help teams. But again, like Benson said, Joe Madden knows what he's doing. I don't think this is going to slow the Cubs down one bit. I agree. I do think that one of the big factors in it is like the overall age of your roster. If you're an older team, like say the Yankees were at the start of the year, then maybe it would be a good thing. You can rest those guys. They've been in the the playoff run before. They know how it goes. For a team like the Cubs, that's such a young team. I think a lot of these players maybe have never had multiple days off in the same week before. So for a team like the Cubs, I think they might be especially vulnerable to that. As long as we're discussing the Cubs in the postseason, the team just rewarded Theo Epstein with a contract extension. If they win it all this year, and Epstein becomes the guy who built teams that broke the two biggest "quote unquote" curses in sports, He'll the Red the Sox and the Cubs, is he the greatest general manager ever? Yes, definitely greatest of the modern era for sure. I mean, that's wow! What an accomplishment, the Cubs and the Red Sox. That would be unbelievable. You can't say enough of what he's done where wherever he's been. So, They'll make yeah. a Disney movie about it. <laughs> Number two, the 2-1 and one LA Rams and the 3-0 and o Philadelphia Eagles are both leading their respective divisions. Truth or shenanigans, they're actually this good. I don't know. I want to see more than three weeks out of these teams. I want people to slow down on saying Wensylvania and giving <laughs> Jeff Fisher a contract extension when after week one you were ready to fire him because they couldn't score a point. Like, can we all just relax? I honestly, I'm just saying all that to say I don't know. And get back to me later in the season. I say shenanigans on the Rams, but agree on the Eagles. Like, we know what the Rams are. They have a dominant defensive line. They have Todd Gurley, and they have nothing else. They don't have a good coach. They don't have a good offensive line. Their quarterback's Case Keenum. The Rams, I, I think we had to add their scores from week one and week two together just to get them into double digits, right? And the Rams are not good. We know this. Carson Wentz, meanwhile. By, by the way, the first two weeks would not have gotten them into, it would have gotten them to three. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, okay. So, no. I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm I saying both. I, The Eagles are for real. I, you know, Carson Wentz looks legitimate. Yeah, he's very but good. shenanigans on the Rams. They're, they've scored 40 points in their first three games, and 37 of them came in the one game against Tampa Bay. So, yeah, I'm with you on yeah. that. No. I know I said I want to see more than three weeks, but how Cleveland Browns would it be if Carson Wentz goes on to be this amazing franchise quarterback that he's looking like he may be, and the Browns are the guy we didn't take him because they won't think he's a franchise yeah. guy. Well, <laughs> you know, like you said, it's a little early to start throwing away Very his franchise, but he, but he looks legitimate. He's playing well. He's a starting yeah. quarterback in the league, and he's playing like one. The fact that the Browns said they didn't think he was a franchise quarterback makes me think he's going to be one. Absolutely. While we're talking about rookies, number three, Ezekiel Elliott will be this year's top NFL rookie. No. (laughs) Not if Carson Wentz keeps playing the way he is. We just got done talking about it. If it comes down to a race between the two, 
Elliott loses. Yes. Quarterbacks of the darling of the league. I don't even know if Zeke is the best rookie on his own team, right? I mean, Dak oh, right. Prescott. Everybody right. loves Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. So, meanwhile, I mean, Carson Wentz, what, he still hasn't thrown an interception, has he? No. I mean, welcome to Wensylvania, Zeke Elliott. Oh, no, right? stop it. I, I actually I say shenanigans like you guys, and I'm actually starting to get a little afraid that Zeke Elliott might not make it through the season. What does he have, 51 carries in the last two weeks? Can he can he continue to carry the ball like that? He, he might die. We're going to find out. <laughs> Number four, Colin Kaepernick will be a starting quarterback within the next month. Truth. He has to be. Look, Blaine Gabbert is terrible. I don't think he, Blaine Gabbert is any better than any the three of us. Like He is dead last <laughs> in every possible category you don't want to be dead last in. Like he, You have to give the ball to Kaepernick. What do you have to lose? I say shenanigans uh, just because everything I hear from San Francisco sounds like they're trying to find excuses not to play him. I think the most recent one was that they've changed his diet because he lost too much muscle mass over the offseason and he's literally not big enough to play. So uh, because he went vegan or whatever, if you're coming up with, well, we can't play him yet, we have to change his diet, you're not playing that guy. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I would say shenanigans also. Also, They thumped the Rams, but then they lost to two pretty darn good football teams, pretty good defenses in Carolina and Seattle. Um, yeah, Gabbert needs to protect the football a little bit better. Uh, Understatement I, of Offensively, year. look, he put, except for that game against Seattle, he had 250-some yards against Carolina. He's got to protect the football. But those are pretty good defenses, so I'm not going to get too excited about it. No, Colin Kaepernick is not coming on anytime soon. And finally, number five, the Buffalo Bills' shocking 33-18 to win over the Arizona Cardinals is a truer indication of this team's ability than their two previous losses. I'll let you guys go first. You're the Bills fans in the room. Shenanigans. This is just so Buffalo. Says the team's biggest, greatest fan. <laughs> You're a horrible fan. No, be terrible, be terrible, be terrible. Then do something to give hope, and then go on to be terrible again and miss the playoffs. So no, this is the same old Bills. I don't even want to watch anymore. Darren and I are almost always game, polar opposites with the Bills. He doesn't want to watch anymore. <laughs> yeah. They're one and two. He doesn't want to watch yeah. anymore. We're usually polar opposites, but I have to agree with him. Shenanigans. The Bills are definitely better than what they showed against Baltimore and the New Jersey Jets. But this is what the Bills always do. They lose one or two games that they should win, and they win one or two games that they absolutely should lose. What they're doing is no different than what they always have done. And then it leaves us at the end of the year going, well, if they would have won those two games, they would have been in the play. This is the same Bills. At the end of the year, they're not as bad as they looked or as good as they looked. They're an 8-8 and football team. They are what they are. Yeah, I'm with you guys, shenanigans. I'm not sold on the Bills. Great win, don't get me wrong. Shocking win. Even if you thought they'd win the game, you didn't think they'd win it like that. No. But um, if they go and beat New England tomorrow, then we can have a conversation about the first two games being you know, an aberration. Let's do a sort of special edition of the good, the bad, and the ugly. The guys, as you might expect, are a little bit more social media aware than I am. And from time to time, they pull down some interesting and humorous posts they've happened upon. Well, this past week, Jets backup quarterback Geno Smith helped them out after witnessing Ryan Fitzpatrick firsthand, right up close, great seats to see Ryan Fitzpatrick throw six interceptions (laughs) during an embarrassing 24-3 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs for whatever reason. 
After the game, Smith got on Instagram and posted a picture of himself and sort of a bewildered, sort of sarcastic look on his face and invited followers to caption this. And, of course, social media took right to it. And the guys have brought you several that they found most amusing. This post has been, by the way, deleted, but too late. Several news outlets picked it up, shared the story, as well as a number of comments that have been that been shared. But before you get into it, before you do that, I, I know it's a different world. And social media is part of today's athlete's regular lifestyle. But what was he thinking? And what did he think was going to happen? <laughs> Didn't he know that the timing of posting it after such a dismal performance, really, by Fitzpatrick, was only going to invite criticism. I mean, you almost think he was doing this on purpose. He had to be. All right, let's get some good, the bad, the ugly. Geno Smith, caption this. This one from M. Rich 56 When you realize the $600 debt wasn't worth getting your jaw wired. <laughs> That's true. This one from Bryce Kaufman. When Fitz throws six picks and you still don't get in. <laughs> this one's actually my favorite. It's from uh, Rocco the Comic. When Brandon Marshall was your best friend for three months, but now he's in love with a lumberjack and doesn't answer your text. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, because he was talking up Geno Smith, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. I, I think every wide receiver does that because well, they want him to throw him, the quarterback to throw him the ball. And the last one from Ovo JC. If I had just paid IK that money, (laughs) I did like those. You, he had to know that the captions were just going to crush him. You would think. We're going to take one more quick break. We'll come back and finish up the show. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town and Country Pet Solutions. All right, let me talk to you about something important. Let's face it, sometimes life hurts, and it can be especially painful for young people. But thankfully, God heals. Hope Church in Greece is offering a 12-week program called Life Hurts, God Heals. This program is intended to help students who are dealing with painful struggles due to such things as divorce, depression, addictions, eating disorders, abuse, self-injury, and more. Hundreds of students from the ages of 12 to 22 have been given tools to help overcome life's difficulties through this program, and many lives have been changed. Life Hurts, God Heals is offered on Sundays from 1 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. and is absolutely free of charge. Hope Church is located at 1301 Vintage Lane in Greece. For more information, please visit the church's website, sharethehope.org, or call the church office at 585-723-4673. That's 585-723-4673. And ask for Jill. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Title sponsor of the Beyond the Game program is Town & Country Pest Solutions. 
townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. Romans 13, verse 7 says, Pay to all what is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. And in this segment, we're, we're going to share with you some things we like this week and give some respect and honor where it's due. At a news conference this past Wednesday, Phil Mickelson had some tough words about 2004 Ryder Cup captain Hal Sutton, who had paired Mickelson with Tiger Woods for two matches that year. The pairing was a bit of a surprise, ended up losing their first their, their best ball match to Colin Montgomery and Patrick Harrington, as well as their alternate shot match against Darren Clark and Lee Westwood. Despite playing pretty well, they lost while paired, and overall Mickelson was 1-3, Woods was 2-3. and three. Heading into this week's Ryder Cup competition, Mickelson's 11th consecutive Ryder Cup, if you can believe that. Impressive. He was asked about the importance of the team captain. He says, quote, it all starts with the captain. We were told two days before that we were playing together, and that gave us no time to work together and prepared, refer- referring to Hal Sutton in 2004. Sound to you a bit like he was throwing Sutton under the bus and blaming him for the poor results? Well, it did to Mickelson, too. A day after making those comments, Mickelson apologized to Sutton. Mickelson said he called Sutton actually later that night to apologize to him. He told Golf Channel that what he said was, quote, in bad taste and that it came across like it was a personal attack and I didn't mean it that way. Mickelson says he feels awful and that he was, quote, totally in the wrong. I never should have brought that up. I used an extreme example in the way decisions can affect play, and I never should have done that because it affected Hal. Galatians 6.5 says, For every man shall bear his own burden. One day we'll all stand before God and give an account for our actions. A great example of personal accountability by Phil Mickelson for going to Sutton, apologizing for his words, and there was no if I offended someone type of apology, just a straightforward public apology. Phil Mickelson's apology is what I like this week. Uh, what I like this week, and it, 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 it's actually kind of hard to spin it in a way I like, but the stories I've seen of Jose Fernandez and the love he had for baseball and life and how much people loved him. And it w- was never more obvious than it was during the game, the first game after the tragedy. You saw his teammates just openly weeping. Like, they loved this man. He had such a profound impact on their lives, just at 24 years old. And it actually made me step back and think, you know, do I have that impact on people's lives? The answer is no, I don't. He did, and it was actually it was really nice to see, honestly, in, in the midst of such a terrible tragedy. Just to piggyback on that, mine was also the Marlins game from Monday night. I watched the pregame and then the whole game and then the postgame, and I just couldn't. I couldn't look away. It was just, it was captivating television. And, you know, he had just been killed. Their emotions were raw. They were still processing it, you know, his teammates. And the Mets come out and hug them. And these are two cards, two teams that are still mathematically fighting for the same wild card spot. The Marlins began the night, you know, crying, supporting each other. But as they scored runs and the game went on, they began to smile and enjoy the game the way that Jose Fernandez had always done. And, um, you know, the, their first bat of the game is D. Gordon, who hits an upper deck home run. You could just tell something special was happening. And uh, I was crying in my living room watching it. They were crying on the field. It was just uh, as sad as it was. I was really glad I got to see it. Now. 
Now the moment we've all been waiting for. Tom Brady wears Uggs. I have no knowledge of anything. I have no explanation for what happened. The highlight of the show. I'm not going to let our fans down. The reason people tune in week after week. Said no one ever. Darren's Unreasonable Rant. My job is to see a lot of different characters. Some make me laugh, some make me angry. Others I feel sorry for, for mankind in general. But there was one guy in particular that I saw that gave me all those feelings in one. First, I was angry because he was wearing a cycling outfit. You know what I'm talking about. The Lance Armstrong get-up that's supposed to make you more aerodynamic or something. But in reality, it grosses everyone out and makes it very hard for me to not want to punch you in the face. Then I laughed at him and subsequently felt sorry for him because he at least appeared to be a man but was driving a Volkswagen Beetle. But it was the bumper stickers and custom plate that made me lose faith in humanity because I'm assuming this guy has friends. Friends who accept his life choices and they shouldn't. The Red Sox bumper sticker seemed fitting on a VW bug. Stupid car, stupid team. But it was the 13.1 bumper sticker and 5K Dan custom plate that made me lose it. First off, Daniel, why are you bragging about running half of something? 13.1 miles is a half a marathon. No real athletes brag about winning at halftime, but it's still 13 miles, so I'll let it slide. But the custom 5K Dan license plate? Are you serious? I could go run a 5K without training while crushing a Big Mac on a 2-liter. That's nothing to brag about. Turn in your man card, Brosie O'Donnell, and start using the ladies' bathroom. That's allowed now. You won't get in trouble. And if you do, I'll testify that that is where you belong. You seem to really have a thing for marathoners and cyclists they I, just get under your skin i don't like that mostly because they're always in my way on the road and i don't care don't stop bragging that you can run everybody can run my daughter recently got a vw beetle and she had it in the shop your, and your daughter yeah, not a man well, well listen i had to pick it up from the shop and drive it home. <laughs> yes and i'm yeah. driving it home hoping that nobody oh, saw me oh, driving it because that. yeah when, when a car has a a vase, a flower vase, as part of its <laughs> accessories. You know that that does it really? That, yeah, the oh, bright, it's got a, this vase, and it's for a f- little flower. They, how feminine is that? It's oh. not a, it's not a man's car. Hey, well, there's a guy named Five K Dan in Rochester that he loves his VW Beetle. Speaking of my daughter, you know, congratulations to her and and her boyfriend. They got engaged this weekend, but there is a dilemma. His last name is Pitcher. So you know how the thing nowadays is you got to have some sort of hashtag, here come the whoever's or, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, So they want to do something with Pitcher, you know, a baseball pitcher, Mm -hmm. you know, hashtag Pitcher's in the pen or or I I don't know. You know, these are just things I'm thinking of, but can't come up with a good hashtag for him because I want him to go with a baseball theme. So I feel under pressure if I don't come up with something good. They're going to come up with just here come the pitchers or something lame, and I want it to be a baseball one. Is that wrong? I find it funny that you, Rick Benson, 40-whatever years old, is trying to come up with a proper hashtag. Because it has to – my daughter's name, her initials are MLB. just happens to be Major League Baseball. (laughs) Nobody put that together until she was like a year and a half, two years. You did before she was born, though. My son's name, Brett. He was after George Brett. So, yeah, I want to come up with some baseball thing, hashtag pitcher warming up. I don't know, something like that. So if you can help me out there, you know, tweet at me, let me know. I got to have some help with this. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Townandcountrysolutions.com or give them a call, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Tell them Benson and the guy has sent you. For those guys, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Have a great week, everybody.